Shortly after recording this segment on Health is Wealth, the news was shared that Chadwin Balsman had lost his four-year fight of colon cancer at the age of 43. Health is wealth. Let's take a moment of silence to honor his talent, his life, and his legacy. How often do we hear from everyday people? His stories from someone who look like you, work like you, live like you do. The good, the bad, most importantly, the truth. Because we're not all celebrities. We don't have a camera following us around to document our reality, but we do all have problems, issues, an elephant in the room that we continue to avoid in hopes one day will fade away, well I say. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about it. All right, ladies, welcome to Let's Talk About It with Jackie Wade. Go around the room and let people know who you are and what you do. My name is Tony, and I am the uh, Assistant General Manager here at the Club Hotel Nashville in and Suite. I am Nikisha Michaud. I am a nurse practitioner, and I work for a local hospital here in Nashville. Thank you guys for joining me for this edition of Health is Wealth. My motivation for starting this segment was basically because of the pandemic that we are currently in. A lot of people have been struggling and fighting with the virus. It doesn't matter about the amount of money that you have. The virus is not biased towards anyone. So it actually has transferred roles where health has become wealth. Some of the most wealthy have lost their life. Currently, the United States is facing over 180,000 and deaths from COVID. I want to talk about not only COVID within itself, but the bad and good health habits in the African-American community, because a lot of the underlying issues that we face come from our habit. We all have our own personal issues and our own personal day-to-day -day challenges. And maybe some of the journeys that we've had has led us to kind of change how we live our day-to-day -day lives. I know for me, I've actually come into thinking things a little bit more clearer, taking precautions and taking health risks a little more seriously than I would have in the past. So it was a myth to me at first about the virus, the effect that it could have on your health, your immune system and situations and, and looking at people is different from actually having the experience yourself. So some of the underlying issues that we have in our community, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, hepatitis B, but the diabetes, what they, we call it sugar. Right, the sugar. Call it. And that is something that a lot of people in my family, both sides of my family, unbiasedly deal with and fight. So I have tried to eat healthier more than I do have my days where I dig in and have my favorites and my junk food, mm -hmm. but that's not always the case. So with me looking into the virus, 
and actually being infected with the virus made me want to let people know that this is actually a real life situation, is not a myth, that it can happen to anyone. I consider myself to be a pretty healthy person. Yeah. And my symptoms were like, I thought I was going to die. Literally, I thought I was going to die. I had every symptom that was on the checklist. When I went to get tested, I had diarrhea, I had a headache, I had chills, I had a fever, I I had a strong heart cough. I literally thought it was going to kill me because people were dying from this virus and nobody knew at what point what happened right before they died. And it was one night that, and it was mostly at night. And I think it's because your body relaxes, your muscles relax at night. I would have this cough. It would be so hard for me to breathe. And I can recall having the virus for a week and it was one night and my cough was just so strong and it would not stop and I could not breathe. And I felt like I'm gonna die. This is what it feels like before they die. I'm gonna die. I was trying to make peace because I felt like I was dying. I could not wow. breathe. I was balled up on the floor, crying, trying to breathe. I went outside on my back deck and it just, nothing was coming in. Nothing was coming through my nose. My mouth was open. It was nothing. I didn't have, I already had lost my sense of smell and my mm -hmm. nose is extra sensitive normally. So I was like, I'm gonna die. It was sad and, and I just, it was very scary. I had called my sister a night before and she had told me that a girl had had COVID and she had used her steamer. She was breathing through her steamer and the heat was breaking up the mucus. So I went into my bathroom. I plugged up my steamer and I was just like, <gasps> just trying to, you know, just get it in yeah. my lungs. And luckily I got a cough where I could breathe. And yeah. when it's I tell you, I cried so hard because I honestly, I don't know. Like it just, that was a scary moment for me. I've always felt like I'm a tough person. So yeah. I felt like I can get through it. I'll get through this. It doesn't matter. It's a fever. I took a hot toddy, knocked the fever mm -hmm. out. You know, I had cold chills. I can doctor on myself, but when I felt helpless, I don't yes. know how to fix this. Yes. That was that was a moment of humility for me where I was just humble like God. And I can't die. I'm a healthy person. Yeah, so of course, because I do work in healthcare, it has naturally affected me in that way. I remember when we had our first positive case in Nashville, I just feel like at that point, my whole world was just surrounded about COVID. I was working the phone line where people could call in and ask questions about COVID. Then I cut on the news and then I see things about COVID. Family and friends will call and ask questions about COVID. Right. <laughs> it has been just like, like Keisha knows it all. What, what is it? Keisha, what's going on? <laughs> it's just been a COVID whirlwind, you know? Yeah. Jackie, as you mentioned, you know, you were infected by the virus. I was also. So I've had two different types of perspectives. I've experienced it from a healthcare professional and I've also experienced it as a victim, as a patient. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like Jackie. I work out, oh God, probably five days a week. I don't have any medical problems. You know, my motivation to stay healthy is obviously because I work in healthcare. And then my family history, it is just scary. 
on my dad's side of the family, we celebrated my father's 50th birthday a few years ago with so much intention because his father passed away in his 60s from a stroke. He had a brother that died before his 50th birthday. He had another brother who passed away in his early 50s. His oldest brother actually suffered a stroke, but he's still with us. So my dad is one of two living brothers. So I'm very passionate about my health. And then we won't even talk about his sisters. They're diabetes and heart disease. So it's pretty prevalent in my family. But I work a lot. Most recently, I was seeing COVID patients. I was doing COVID to home. And so I've had a lot of exposure to COVID patients. But I went out on FMLA because early on during the quarantine, I tore my ACL trying to work out. I tore my ACL and I had to have surgery. I tore my ACL and my meniscus. So I had just had surgery. I had just started school again, 10 week intensive, yeah. just under a lot of stress. And I was exposed to someone who had COVID. I had a pretty strong feeling that I would have caught it just because of where my immunity was. Because stress plays on our immune system. Yes, it does. Um, whether yeah. it's good or bad. That's one right. thing people forget. They think just because they're planning a wedding and that's something positive, our body receives stress. Yeah. stress. It does not matter if, if we perceive it as positive or negative. And then the stress of the surgery, as you mentioned. So when I knew that I had that exposure, I took precautions and went ahead and started quarantining. It was myself and probably 10 other people exposed to this individual, but I just felt it. I just knew. I'm like, okay. Right now, the way your luck is going and just not just luck, but just based on science, which that's what I really want people to understand, which Tony, you are an exception to that. It takes a perfect storm. You know, viruses right. are opportunity. Yeah. So when our immune system is weak, they take the opportunity to attack. Yeah. And of course, seven days later, as you mentioned, Jackie, it was not three days. It wasn't the average four to five when that people typically test positive. It was seven days before I became symptomatic. And I was the only one of 10 people to even catch COVID. But it made sense. I was in a different position. It didn't right. matter that typically I was healthy. At that particular time, that virus had an opportunity to attack right. me. And it right. did just that. I have two other people that live at home with me. They were perfectly fine, tested negative. As pitiful as the story sounds, it made perfect sense. You know, <laughs> right. yeah, no. So I think I have two different perspectives, but my opinions about things haven't really changed. It really has coincided with my medical knowledge and my experiences. <laughs> I mean, experiencing it, it gave me validation, honestly, from a testimonial right. standpoint. Right. Well, um, as for me personally, I actually had COVID back in early April, late March. And I also have a lung disease called sarcoidosis. Mm. So it was a severe bad for me. I cannot pinpoint where I contracted the virus from because I do work in a public communal living. Right. But when I first heard of this virus, it was so many different opinions about it of how you could catch it, how it was contracted. I could have picked it up here. I could have picked it up at Walmart. I was so scared at that time because again, uh, sarcoidosis is a lung disease. It affects one in 150,000 people, mostly uh, of German and African-American descent. When I contracted COVID, for me, it did not affect my breathing a lot as it did my roommate, which mm -hmm. my roommate 
fibromyalgia is very healthy, never had uh, any illness that I have ever known of in 20 years. And it affected her so severely, way more different than it did me. For me, it gave me like a constant headache. Literally felt as though the only way I can describe it is if someone almost shot me in my head and then I would be okay for a minute. Nothing made the pain subside, not one thing I could take. And it would just stop on its own. My fever would only spike at night, but everything else, if I walked literally from my bed to my bedroom door, I would be severely out of breath. But with her, she had a horrible cough and she couldn't almost sit up. That's uh, how mine was day to day. That cough, it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I never contracted a cough. I never had a cough. My fever wasn't bad. Hers would spike up to about 104, only at night. Yeah. And mine never did that. As far as my breathing, I would get shorter breath from walking. Also, my symptoms only lasted for about a week. Hers later turned into pneumonia. And even four months later, she now has to use a inhaler. That is what I'm more afraid of. What is the long-term effects? of this virus. It hasn't been around long enough to really know how it's affecting people from a long-term standpoint. As you can see with athletes right now, that's part of the reason why some of the collegiate teams are not playing because they are seeing that some of these athletes are developing arrhythmias, athletes who are perfectly healthy um, prior to COVID and they're developing arrhythmias after contracting COVID. Of course, I don't consider myself a collegiate athlete by no means, but I do work out pretty consistently. That raises the same concern for myself. What is it going to be like going back to the gym? Mm -hmm. Am I going to develop any arrhythmias post-COVID? Do you believe that since, because I do believe that I was the carrier of the virus, my roommate at the time, her job had furloughed them. So she hadn't been outside and I knew that I had to be the one to have given it to her. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that since I was the actual carrier, that's why my symptoms weren't as severe? Because she had all the exact symptoms that Jackie had. I had none of those. And I was well within 14 days, maybe before then, but I literally quarantined myself and didn't come out for out of my room for two weeks. I was right back to where I can run up and down the stairs and go back to regular life where she, again, hers turned into pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And it was still really, really bad. And the cough was still bad. I don't think it had anything to do with you being the actual carrier as studies have been showing that some people are just affected differently there's been some studies showing that certain blood types have been affected differently with COVID. Type A, type AB, it's been more prevalent to contracting COVID. That's what some research has showed. And it depends on the individual, which ironically enough, Tony, it's so interesting to hear that you have sarcoidosis and you really didn't have severe symptoms. That's so interesting. That's what that is, a blessing. blessing. It is definitely a blessing. And I have a lot of different health issues. Jack, you may know some of my story we were actually just making a joke my best friend and I that uh, they sent me something through the mail saying I'm an organ donor and she started laughing because she finds everything funny but I just have to make light of everything in life right now what would I actually donate um I'm from St. Louis <laughs> and, uh, like I, I I don't have anything but I got shot six times so I'm missing several of my organs I was in a bad car accident and so when I developed COVID my best friend that I gave this to 
She said, because I'm going to be the one to die and you're going to be perfectly fine because you are on your 12th life. Because she always tells me, to slip on a banana peel and that's what's going to take you out. But yes, I am very blessed. My sarcoidosis, again, you would have thought that the COVID would have possibly taken me out or I would have been one that had to get on life support or ventilator. My breathing was not bad at all. And again, I do my lungs, it's in my eyes, it's making me go blind in uh, my right eye. But even with my sarcoid, I don't have to take the steroids for it. I do find myself having to do breathing treatments, but it's so far and in between. The only thing is starting to affect my skin. So I know when I'm having a flare, my breathing does become a little raspy, mostly at night. And I get these marks on my chest. You would literally think that someone had bitten me. That's when I know that I'm in a flare. Mm -hmm. But even like I said, with the COVID, it drained me. I was just tired and it took yes. a lot out of me to get out of bed and things yeah. like that. At the time, I also had just had a surgery because I had weight loss surgery as well. Yeah. And all yeah. of these things going yeah. on. So just look, layering, I'm just layering up, purpose. like just layering up. That's, that's <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And you know, Jackie, back then when I, when we caught it, I had literally just had the surgery. Yeah. So my body was trying to heal from the surgery <laughs> and now fighting off this virus. But thank you, God that it actually it didn't affect me again watch how I watched my roommate suffer I was so guilty passing it on to her that I think I kind of played down how actually well I was mm -hmm. because I tested positive and I knew that I was going to test positive but and I didn't lose my sense of taste but I did lose my sense of smell I didn't even actually notice it was gone for possibly about two days because I worked 16 or 20 hour shifts a day six days a week so I'm just going 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 right. and my body Body was just tired because because I did I had that weight loss surgery and then I was back at work in probably a week. Wow, my body heals at a rapid rate. It's actually amazing. Well, not yeah. so much, which is right. probably why you call COVID. The first thing that I felt was fatigue. And I had, I'm usually not out unless I'm at a grocery store or I'm going to do something that I have to go in and right back out. I'm wearing masks. It was the situation where I felt I'm in a safe environment, that everybody has taken the same precautions that mm -hmm. I've taken. So my guard was down. I've yep. gotten comfortable. It's like, okay, I've gone this long. I'm healthy. I've convinced myself. I'm healthy. I'm not prone to getting this virus. And if I do, it's not going to affect me the way that it's affecting mm -hmm. everybody else that has the short end of the stick, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I contracted it. I have a, a nice idea. I don't know if I was a carrier to the people that I infected or if I was infected along with those people. Yeah. All I know is that I was thinking we're celebrating. I may have a wine cooler and I felt tired. I'm mm -hmm. just ready to lay down. I'm tired. And mm -hmm. when I did um, lay down the next morning, I could barely move yeah. and I could barely get out of bed. And I'm like, this ain't just me being tired. I'm literally dragging myself to the restroom, going back to the bed. I'm shivering cold, but I yep. have fever. And it's yep. like, how do you have a fever? And I'm, I'm getting warm blankets thrown on me, but I'm shaking. If I eat something, it's coming straight out of me. I didn't test until probably day four. I waited till I did not have a fever until I went and got tested. So once I did that, I'm just waiting on confirmation, but I knew. So mm -hmm. my son was trying to come home and I'm like, you can't come home until I get a negative test. It made me think, what could I have done differently? Because I think I'm a healthy person. Lo and behold, the people who 
aren't healthy. Like you said, Tony, yeah. you are a blessing. The fact that you have these underlying issues and you still push through the way that you did. But like you said, you kind of downplay your symptoms. I did that. I didn't tell people that I was infected. Like some of my friends later on, I had a conversation with one of my girlfriends. She called me and was like, I think one of our friends are infected. And I was like, well, yeah, it sounds like it probably will. That's what happened to me. She was like, wait, Jackie, you was infected, you know, was infected with COVID. And I was like, yeah, I didn't tell it. I didn't want any sympathy. Yeah, yeah, I got a question real quick for you ladies. You both had it. Tell me how you felt about when you found out that you had it. Because you before you were tested, you possibly knew that you had it. Yes. It made me feel, and I don't know why it made me feel this way. It was almost like admitting that I had AIDS or something. And that may be just something personally with me, yes. but I didn't want anyone to know. I felt like a leopard. I just kind of wanted to isolate myself. And I mean, I literally didn't want anyone to know this. I, I felt as though I was admitting that I had like an STD. And yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but no, that was it was. It actually does not sound crazy at all. And no. I'm sure Jackie and I are going to have similar answers because our personality is a lot alike about <laughs> people's perspective of us. I was under so much stress that I saw it as a break. <laughs> Like, I care less if nobody wants to come around me right now. Right, yeah. I have to finish five assignments in five days. I, When I tested positive, I said, God, you know I don't have time to be sick. Really? I don't have time to be sick. So... <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. you know, that's kind of how I felt. And I didn't tell people either because I still had things I needed to do. If anybody knows me, like, I know people would have meant well. And I know a lot of people. Yeah. I know yeah. would have just been out of concern. Right. But I couldn't afford to have that. And right, then, that responsibility. That's what we was talking about. Like, oh, let me check on you. Let me make sure I'm the better friend. Yeah. Tell me, do you need anything? Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. You don't have the energy to yeah. obtain the care. I know that we are in a space where you would want to do things for me. Even like what you were saying, Tony, your best friend, that was the only person that I told. And then the reason that I told her was because I knew she had been through a similar situation and she mm -hmm. could guide me through it. But yeah. it was even times what she would ring me and I'm like, ah, do not feel like talking oh, at all. Yeah. She had FaceTimed me and she was like, my bad. As if it was a reminder of, I know I wouldn't want to deal with this shit. If you know, <laughs> she'd be like, just trying to make sure you're okay. When you get a moment, just let me know. You straight, do you need any? Can you imagine that time 10? If you mm -hmm. tell your friend, they're all going to feel like the right thing to do is to make sure she's okay. And mm -hmm. even after I'm healed and it's over and I'm telling some of my girlfriends and they're like, oh, I, I, I failed as a friend. I should have checked on you. And I'm like, right. Like there was nothing that you could do to yep. progress my healing or progress my health. That would have made me miserable to feel like I had the responsibility of trying to respond to your texts or respond yes. to your calls or let you know I'm okay. Like that, that my physician, which happens to be my cousin, my friend, those, that was it. Those were the mm -hmm. people that I conversed with during that journey, you know, because it was like day to day it was a day to day struggle. And the therapy that I got from her was Jackie, make sure you go outside and get some sunlight, make sure mm -hmm. you think. And I'm like, okay, so this is the things that I need. And I'm not even letting them know yes. how bad my condition is, because I know if I did, the amount of care would increase. So now instead of me checking on you one or two times a day, now I need to check on you every other hour and make sure that you don't need to go to the hospital. Yes. 
I'm not a real big pity person, so I don't want a lot of pity. Just mm -hmm. let me get through this. It doesn't cancel you out as a friend. It doesn't mean that you're not important to me. It just means that this is a serious situation. I don't even know what the hell is going on. Let me figure it out. Unless you're a doctor, what can you do for me? You pray? I can pray yeah. for my damn self. Like, what? Yeah. And you know? I, it's, it takes too much energy to talk. I mean, it's oh, it takes everything so much to sit up. But I documented my journey. I started, finally, I made a, a video on Facebook and immediately turned my phone off. I did do that because I wanted everybody to know about this because you have so many people and I have family members that were downplaying the virus and why can't, you know, constantly being um, argumentative about the face mask or why this needs to clothes and I'm suffering through this and this is extremely yeah. painful and everybody is not going to make it. You see that nurses are documenting this and yeah. that was the motivation behind the video that I made and immediately my phone, people that I hadn't spoken to in years, I did appreciate the love but I could not. Because yeah. a lot of people are trying to figure out why them and not me. I seen on the news, there was football players that was like, are we living by two different set of rules? Because private schools are able to play public schools are not but public schools are not actively open private schools are because private schools have a lower count absolutely they're, they're probably 10 percent of the public school population so yes. you're social distancing even when you're not trying yes when you're dealing yes. with public school systems you're dealing with a mass amount of the count so people are not thinking far enough and that goes back to the black community where people are like why me are you attacking me you're attacking yes. our culture i'm need you to, to be dig a little deeper yeah, yeah it's not that superficial it's not that it's not that superficial like it's not yeah. just you it's not just you if you have a salon and your salon is closed i promise you salon effects on west end is closed too it's the field that you've chose to go in not so much as your skin color Mm -hmm. And if people take a risk at going to get food in essentials or they scared to go outside so they order food online, which is still an essential, then that's still a risk that they're taking, but it's a needed risk. As selfish as it is, having a liquor store open, they consider that an essential. That's part of the stress that you talked about, Keisha. Yes. That's part of the depression. That's a part of the suicide. That's part yep. of a lot of people trying to supplement those feelings. Yeah. They keep themselves from losing their damn mind. And look, Jack, y'all don't know if you remember that I used to actually smoke. Can't stand it now. Like, wow. like oh my goodness, a woman smokes? Yeah, that's me now, because I'm one of those people. With you, with your surgery, you've had to learn to eat better. But that is one of the bad habits that we have as an African-American community. Eating poorly, how it affects our body. Salt, a comedian made a joke and was like, man, niggas dying of salt. Y'all worrying about guns and police brutality. You right. got black people dying of salt. We have this tradition of soul food. We're heavy handed when it comes to the seasoning for fried chicken or what pork chop. And it's not until we are forced to deal with eating better that we actually try to change our eating habits to stay around longer for someone that we love or to stay around longer for ourselves. To your point about the salt, we don't drink enough water. 
But That's water true. does so much for our body. It keeps yes. us hydrated. It mm-hmm. flushes out those toxins that we were talking about. That salt. On average, how much water do you think you drink a day? I have a 32-ounce Yeti. I try to at least drink one of those. I am a tea person. Yes, so that has water. I do drink at least four-plus cups. So that's 32 ounces yep. of tea a day. And sometimes I use the um, the little water flavoring and I'll squeeze lemon and lime in it. And I try to fill like a gallon up with that, even if I don't drink it all in one day. That's good. But a lot of people, you hear them say, oh, well, I had two bottles of water today. But people don't realize they need like half of their body weight in yeah. ounces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a sufficient amount of water. So when you tack on all that sodium, and then you tack on when you've had alcohol, which dehydrates you, you need even more water. You know, it's so crazy. I have completely removed salt from my diet, completely. And how my palate has expanded to different things that I had never thought that I would like the taste of. A treat for me is like a sweet potato, where at first with my sweet potatoes, of course, I had to have butter, sugar, vanilla cinnamon now my treat is plant-based butter a sweet potato is naturally sweet i love brussels sprouts yeah yeah so do you grill your brussels sprouts i put my brussels sprouts on the george Foreman, and it is oh my god yeah and i just put the little olive oil and mrs dash if i do eat salt it's a more so of a himalayan salt and it's just a dash of it no but when you you speak of mrs dash you're talking foreign to some people because people don't know more than larry so (laughs) tell what mrs dash is yeah mrs dash is probably only uh carbs only about two it's low fat you can get it low sodium or no sodium. It's a good alternative to soul food seasoning. I use a lot of fresh ingredients now, like my garlic, my thyme, rosemary, all of these things are going to be fresh for me now. You know, I still use seasonings um, out the cabinet, but for the most part, something that I had never even bought before was like papayas or I make my guacamole fresh because I had the gastric sleeve surgery. They cut out 80% of my stomach. So I am very conscious of what goes into my body. You know what? That's good that you are conscious because you know how many people that have had that surgery and I know a few that revert back to their old habits and they force themselves to eat things that they know they're not supposed to eat and they've transformed back <laughs> to their old ways. Like you said, it's habit. Habit. And, yeah. and the it's eating habit. is the 80% of mm-hmm. being, habit. you know, you can work yeah. out all day long. Exactly. So the transformation of body and health, it starts in the kitchen mm-hmm. and people thinking, oh, I'm going to eat whatever. And that was I did that when I was younger. I'm going to eat whatever right. I want to because I'm going to go to the gym and yep. you go for your annual and your doctor's like, oh, you have high blood pressure. Now you have these pills you have to take for the rest of your life. So that was another thing. The best thing about my surgery is now I'm off blood pressure medication and, and cholesterol medication. That feels great. So we have three right. floors. I no longer take the elevator anymore. I'm proud these- of you. Thank you. So why would I even ever and I do still snack on different things because it's crazy with this surgery. I get full quickly. So I try to eat a lot of fish and crustaceans. But if I do eat a piece of fried chicken, if I ate a full wing, I've stuffed myself. I have to have to immediately get up and exercise or it's just sitting there in my stomach. This surgery is not for the faint of heart at all. The way I can sit here and I can be eating something and no matter what it is, if watermelon, I in the middle of eating, you don't know when you're going to get full. Just all of a sudden, you are so sick at this point to where you almost feel like you're getting ready to die of being bad to death. Wow. Yeah. 
it was good for me because again, with all my underlying health issues, and again, I uh, did have high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I can now exercise. I had a really, really bad back. So I am now down 115 pounds. Every, you know what? And I see every ounce of it, honey. You look fabulous. Ah. I was talking to you earlier and you come out. <laughs> I'm like, fabulous, Tony, honey. No, I see you. Thank I you. see you. You look yes. amazing. I, I, you inspire me. I got every bit of this little COVID 15 plus 10. I got all of that. Mine's plus 10. I have a promising future on both sides of my family. So it's like, baby, you can shift left or right. Act up <laughs> It's waiting on you. So I'm like, oh my God, like I need to quit. But I have addictions. We have habits and pleasure yes. foods that we yes. have. Food was my best friend and I miss right. her. We have to learn to just keep those out of our reach. And yeah. the easier said than done. It goes with the cliche of if it was easy, everybody would do it. Exactly. So yes. we can say, oh, you know, just eat healthy. And it's, as I'm pulling up at Wendy's and ordering me a chicken sandwich or a Chick-fil-A, right. my mom most famous saying my whole childhood growing up is I'm gonna start my diet on Monday. Jake, he laughs at me because I'm like, I'm gonna start on Monday. And yeah. they like, mom, you gonna start on Monday this month? You talking about this Monday or? Eating healthy, it's very expensive. It's cheaper. Oh, it's very expensive. Take from eating healthy, because you can go from produce to regular produce. Take it up a notch to organic. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. That's yeah. a whole nother story. <laughs> like, I be looking like, eh. That's a full I'm, month. Hey, you, I, I start telling myself, like, I don't even know if this organic for real. They might be like, <laughs> any excuse. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to yes. get the regular because it's probably the same people. They just don't put an organic sticker on it. So, right. yeah, that's, hey, it's very expensive. They have a whole fitness uh, and fit is called fit and active section at Aldi's. You can go to Wendy's and get a four for four. Absolutely. You can go and get you some grass fed beef that's going to cost you $6.99. Absolutely. And then you still need sides to go with it. So it's like, right. well, damn, like it's, how healthy do I want to be? And how often do I want to be healthy? So I'm going to eat health three <laughs> times out the week. You don't negotiate this based upon my pocket. Like that, what can I afford to do? That, so that's why a lot of people eat bad because yeah. like, it's you know, that's true. out of this world yeah, that's so, true. but you know what before you go further you think about that like back in slavery slaves they used to make the best out of whatever scraps they was given to, yep. to provide for their family their masters would eat healthy and eat good and they would give them their scraps the fat meat or whatever's left over so we're accustomed to just making do as far as what we eat true. whatever fills us up bad food fills you up quicker than nutritious food yep. so we eat that because if I eat this i'm gonna be hungry again in two two hours so yeah, if i eat me some french fries and a burger it's gonna at least take me to four hours and that's less money yeah so we think about our income which comes to us having that that equal pay that wage gap so we can afford to eat like the wealthy people that are able to sustain that immune system that we're talking about yeah that has a lot to do with it too you know a lot of people because you know they've heard oh african americans are more prone to covid that scared everybody right but why? You know? yeah but, but why but see they didn't realize that it wasn't just because you were black it was deeper than that look at our socioeconomic statuses yeah. look at our habits look exactly. at the things that we do it wasn't just because you're black covid they put a black target on your right. back like oh, <laughs> I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get these niggas watch this shit yeah, <laughs> yeah you know you're hearing 
all these conspiracy theories of mm-hmm. why and, and you know what and because of that we're more prone to be rebellious because you feel attacked you feel like we're targeted my cousin got shot and he died of covid she might have been sick right. <laughs> and he happened like, to get shot exactly <laughs> That don't mean he wasn't sick. He probably, he just was living wrong, but the nigga was sick. Like, (laughs) it's crazy, but that's where we are. It makes people think about their financial wealth. For so long, we have dealt with black on black crime and people don't think that the lifespan of black men are some of the lowest numbers and they are some of the most uninsured people. Yep. And then you set up these GoFundMe. You try to use your personal money or your savings. And you talk about white people use life insurance as well. No, they use it what it's meant for. What do you value your life as? Mm-hmm. And that is what you set your life insurance as. It doesn't mean that a person is trying to use it as a come up. It's just what a person feel like their life is worth. Mm-hmm. And we choose to feel like, oh, I'm not going to put life insurance on my child And you know what your child is doing or your boyfriend is doing or your baby daddy is doing. Mm -hmm. That part of that health is wealth. How healthy is his lifestyle? Right. If that lifestyle isn't healthy, then we probably need to make sure that, and it's not out of trying to make a come up, but if you have a child by a person who's not living right, then I need to make sure that my child is secure when your life is expired because you've made reckless decisions and you can't be here anymore. That's right. And people don't think that far. Sometimes we do self-harm. That's not that we're targeted. We're kind of attacking ourselves. When the younger black kids go out and they're asymptomatic and they go to this grandmother who had high blood pressure, diabetes, who has a, a ligament amputation, and then you're affecting these people because if I'm taking Jaden with me, I'm not going to be like, Jay, stay in the car because I'm going to see my mama. I don't yeah. know who you've been with. You don't think it out that far. You just think, oh, they just telling black people. Right. You, you can't be that naive. Do you feel like working out is an essential and why? Definitely an essential. It's an essential in general with our health. I do agree. Exercising, it helps to reduce your body from releasing stress hormones. It promotes blood flow. You've heard the saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Right. My slogan that I tell patients is, 30 minutes of cardio a day keeps the doctor away. It has been proven, even with diabetes, exercising, doing high-intense cardio, 30 to 45 minutes, five days a week. That can make make a significant difference in just lowering your blood sugars. Like, my thing is, I'm not only a minority in America, I'm a minority in the gym. I am one in 10 of my kind as far as my focus how deliberate I am and the results that I get. Some people go to the gym because they're trying to socialize. They want to meet somebody or whatever it is. But as far as you effectively trying to burn calories, you effectively trying to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in the gym. You see chicks with a full face and some oh, yeah. and it's like, but, but, what, but so what you doing? Yeah. Right. And on the phone. And I'm like, the phone. Yeah, like, who are you? Like, the chick is, I've seen a chick on a treadmill and she like, and girl, this is a 45-minute exercise. Speed has got to be 0. 0.5. Yeah. And if you mentioned it, baby, I want to reach over like, let me just kind of help you out <laughs> a little bit. Let me just keep yeah. up because my I'm competitive by nature. Yeah. So yeah. if I get next to somebody on there on a treadmill, elliptical, by it don't matter what it is. Yeah. If you're going iron over, like, 
what are they going? Because I'm going, I got to go your speed. Right, right. Eventually, even if it's not automatic, I have to get to your speed because you ain't better than me. You're like, that's a competition. You sound like (laughs) Yes, you sound like me. Look, I was, uh, so you know, I've been going through therapy with my ACL. And so, but then I'm post-COVID. So as Tony mentioned and you mentioned, like, the fatigue and feeling winded, that has kind of been my lingering symptoms. Um, I do get winded very easily. So my trainer hadn't even been back doing physical therapy that long. And he told me, he's, let's see how long you do on that climber for 20 minutes. I know he said, I know he said 20 minutes, right? So I get off and I'm like, <laughs> and so he was like is that all you got I said well you told me 20 minutes he said did I I thought I said 30 I was right, like that's whatever that's 20 that minutes but here I go back on the thing I'm about to die trying to get 30 minutes <laughs> trying to get 30 minutes in I looked over at him after I was done I was like there's your 30 my thing is being proactive because it's easier to maintain something than it is to try to reverse it that's right that's absolutely right and unfortunately, with our society, just in general, it's easier to take a pill. Like, we get brainwashed to like, oh, this will buy me time. Yeah. You know, we only respond to things that's immediate, right. you know? Yeah, um, the microwave era. Yes. And truth be told, just like it didn't take you one meal to put that on, you can't have one week of good eating to get that off. You can't tell me that. And I'm sure many other people, I see, I get on my scale and be like, hey, damn, they ain't fell off. Like, Tina ain't good for 24 hours. I should be five pounds down. You'll go on a a spree of I'm going to eat healthy so I'm going to shed this weight and you thinking about how you're going to look as opposed to how you're going to feel and when yep. you that scale and it ain't what you want it to be you revert back to those habits like you said let's take this pill this pill yep. is gonna keep me going but that's the same thing as a drug addiction you have people who have this high that they're immune to they take this heroin or they take this ecstasy pill or they take this molly mm-hmm. to keep this feeling so when you go and you take this blood pressure pill or you take this pill for diabetes and you feel like I can keep doing what I'm doing as long as I take these pills and that's gonna replace what I should be be doing yep you know that that's my thing with food what you just said about Mm. the feeling Mm -hmm. that's how i am for food it is a severe addiction and now so i have like a double struggle because now i can't have it so when i become sad i'm an only child my mom passed away Mm -hmm. and i don't really have family so my comfort was always ice cream a candy bar and now i can't have those things and a little fun fact about this surgery i do have to snack all day you know technically across the board you're supposed to eat five yes yes like literally some people a lot of people have bad eating habits because they feel like I'm gonna eat one or two big meals. And yeah. you're supposed to snack. You're supposed to eat as a woman, you're supposed to eat every two to three hours. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, we are eating the right thing. That's what kicks in our metabolism. Right. You know, exactly. When you eat and your body knows that it's not gonna give us a meal. It's like a, yeah, it's like a hours, starvation mode. Yeah, right. Hold on to whatever you just ate. Yeah. So yeah. If you think you just ate one soul food meal earlier today and you're not gonna eat again. Right. Right. Well, that's what it's hanging on to—that cornbread yeah. and that dressing. Yeah. And it's that- like that. Finna starve us, yeah. <laughs> right? 
So yeah, let's hold on to this. But when you give your body food constantly, then it's easy to for it to release it. And the right food. You know that the more right is coming. Food. Right, the right yes. food. It knows yes. that more is coming. So you eat. I try to start eating between the hours of 10 and 12. No matter when I wake up, I'll start off with two cups of water. I'll drink some tea and then I'll start my eating pattern. If I eat at 12, I eat at two. Then I made it through at four, six, eight, and then I cut my eating off. Some people like, I'm finna lose weight and I'm gonna eat healthy. I'm gonna eat two times a day. And you starving your stomach growling and it's like this motherfucker like yeah. <laughs> hey so I, when she put something else in us we gonna hold on to that yeah i'm gonna keep that up. Up. Up in and my back and you're wondering why you yeah you're wondering why you're holding on to toxic it's mm -hmm. because your body's like we're in starvation mode yeah so it's holding on to all of it because it's like we got to eat all this shit because she eat twice a day and then we yeah gotta <laughs> yeah and so i am trying because i've never been a breakfast eater so now i have to make myself at least have a protein shake in the morning a protein shake yeah I, a protein um, shake. I and i do that because i'm not a breakfast person either protein shakes get me through until yes. i'm breakfast. Gets me going, and I love tea. I go to the world market. I'm about to have a tea party, Tony, because I drink tea too. I am eating stuff like, uh, well, I'm, like I said, I try not to eat bread. So I get a lot of um, recipes from this girl I know. She actually sells like keto meals in St. Louis, but yeah, you can't send me no food through the mail. I want to make my own. Just give me the ingredients. The wraps, instead of using bread for burgers, just use lettuce, romaine lettuce. And see, I do that. Like, I do it for my tacos, for my tuna. Bread is my cheap food. We have to do that, though. We do yeah. have to do yeah. that. Again, in moderation, it has to become like a lifestyle thing, you know? Like, even in the morning, my stomach's growling. I'll drink some water first. You know, liquid fills you up. Yep. Half of the time, it keeps you from overeating or eating poorly. We get to where we like, there's nothing quick to eat healthy. And you probably can just drink 32 ounces of water. Yep. And then the salad will fill you up until you get to a baked chicken as opposed to a fried chicken. Yeah. Or vegetable as opposed to some French fries. You, it. It's really, it's a mindset that we have it to change. That's part of changing the trajectory. We have to change our mindset and look at the yes. long-term goal as opposed to the short-term goal. Yes. If you mess up today, start tomorrow. Don't yes. wait. My most successful diets have been Friday through Sunday. Yeah. When I do my detox on Friday through Sunday, my Monday starts off strong. Dr. Oz, one sheet, the three-day detox, I did it on Friday through Sunday. And like, my, I just felt healthy. I felt energized. But if I would have did it Monday through Wednesday, I think I would have fell off on Friday. I would have all the results by the weekend because it's like, oh, let me cheat because on Monday, I got to start. Yeah. But it's like on yeah, Monday, you you're already, yeah, you, Monday, you already ready. Sunday, you eating healthy. Go ahead and meal prep mm -hmm. for the rest of the week. And then Friday, I know I'm on smoothies and that yeah. worked for me. We have to, as African-American women and just African-Americans in general, we have to hold a hand and pull each other along. Yes. Just like yes, we can call each other and say, let's go to happy hour this right. Friday. Right, exactly. Let's have a cooking class. Let's exactly. do Friday night dinner and exactly. bring a new recipe. We have to pull each other along because accountability. To. We have to, yeah. That's, that's one thing I like about you. Our families are a lot alike as far as our 
bond system goes, me and my sisters and my nieces, I would put us in a group thread. Like, let's have a 30-day challenge. Let's yep. put the money up. Whatever's going to motivate you. Let's post the videos. Like, I know that y'all had did that one time. We all like, <laughs> let's post the Hold each other accountable. It needs to be across the board. Because when yes. you say that we going to do this and we have to post it, I can be tired. But I know <laughs> if I don't post this, I don't get credit for it. It ain't no, I did it, but my video was broke. Oh, no, then you yeah. ain't do it. So, I know proof it didn't yeah, you know, I know if you didn't post it, it didn't happen. And that helps you hold yourself accountable. Yes. And it doesn't always have to come with having weights in your hand and sweating right. to death in the gym. How about, hey, let's make it our family tradition on Sundays to go right. take a walk on the trail right. before church or after church. You can change that up. Exercise right. can be differently for a yeah. lot of people. I mean, because the thing is, what whatever bad habits you have, you passing it on to your kids. Yep. And they're passing it on to their kids. When we speak of changing the trajectory, when you start making good habits, that but kids, they look at they what, do. What their favorite foods are are developed by what you cook for them, what you introduce to them. Your workout habits, like Jaden, he sees me work out, he works out, and mm-hmm. I introduce him to athleticism at a young age. So, so sort of like you, I think that I've always participated in things like I was a cheerleader and I've always danced. Um, that's kind of been my outlet. And I think once I got older, when you were doing it for fun, you just saw it for fun. But right. the truth of the matter is, it did more for me than that. It right. was an outlet. You know, when I had had a breakup with my boyfriend in high school, I had that as a distraction. Right. You know, and it was serving two purposes. It was helping my mental, my mental health and my physical health. Well, so. Mike doesn't like me anymore because I lost weight. See, that's deep. Now, and then I got, I lost weight and he no longer wanted me. I weighed 359 pounds. This man is not, he's not a big guy at all because I don't date big guys. Never have never will uh it must some like y'all and i mean i'm glad that y'all dealt with me when i was real big 359 and i applaud everybody that did that but i don't like chubby dudes so so he feels like i done turned into a different person because i do have my exercise before i go to sleep at night but this man that i love and have loved since i've been in tennessee for five years almost six i have loved him and he does not find me attractive anymore at all like you know, uh, what, you know what it is i think if i had to if Let's, let's hear what you're gonna say jack you see if we come to the I, same answer i will say that it is because you are now more confident you know who tony is and you are not going to let anybody try to point out or tell you or define your meaning of your life for you yeah that is intimidating to a lot yep. of people and so don't consider that as a loss consider yeah. that as a game that was just a season in your yeah. life you may have been looking for his confirmation you may have been looking for that compliment from him and now you get that on a daily from people that's yeah. just like wow y'all do y'all know how differently i am treated right now and this is so i am treated so 100 differently mm-hmm. than how men treat me how i'm treated at work how i'm treated in my everyday life from when i go to the grocery store even when i'm not even at my prettiest uh, that i don't feel like when i just run outside in a t-shirt and some shorts that i could do now 
um, I am still treated differently than again me at two. I'm now two forty three. So now me this weight that I'm at, like how everybody, it's not just men, it's women. So like you all, you two women, you all have always probably been the pretty girls, Jackie. You definitely have. So it's not that I have now joined the pretty girl society, but just how differently society treats me. So, so just to let you know how superficial the world is and it's crazy is I'm not I promise you even if it sounds like I'm complaining I am not it's just a different feeling and sometimes I become overwhelmed in this I have body dysmorphia as well I don't see I know that I probably lost about 10 pounds my clothes are too big because I still lose weight without even trying it sends me pictures of myself that it's just like I see this person and I know I look a little different but I still when I look in a when you say body dysmorphia it's not what you physically see it's your demeanor it's your confidence it's your determination you're determined now to reach a goal that whether anybody else knows it or not they can feel that in the room yes you have energy so it's not superficial it's not people seeing oh she's lost this weight they feel that energy of your determination people are triggered by power and energy so the power and the determination and the confidence that you carry within yourself when you walk amongst people they feel that and they they respect it you're getting your respect because you now respect yourself and you're yourself in a more stronger stage than you have before so people that's what they're feeling that's what they're responding to they're not Mm -hmm. responding to your weight loss they're responding to what your weight loss and your determination have done to tony yes and truth of the the matter is that's exactly what i was gonna say jackie i would have said a little differently but that's exactly what i was gonna say there are some people who are prejudiced to people's weight whether that's skinny or big I do think that exists, but I think it's more so of what Jackie is saying, because even for the person who thinks that they may have a prejudice to someone that's larger, if you are showing some type of confidence and you are living in that and accepting that, that person will forget before they know it that you were a larger person or a smaller person because they see that confidence. And, and that's what it is. And you have to change your mindset. Don't always think that the reason why you're being treated differently is because you're smaller or you're bigger. Mm-hmm. It's because of what you're displaying. Right. And, and that's real. They can see yeah. how confident you are inside. When people can tell that, that your spirit is broken, that's when they know they've gotten you. Yeah, it doesn't matter true. how you look on the outside. Yeah. You're no longer waiting for their validation. You're giving yourself validation. Mm-hmm. You're taking the power away from them. And that's when you say with your situation, if that person feels like they're not attracted to you anymore, that's because you're not reliant on them to tell you that you are good enough. You come in with that confidence already intimidating to a person because damn now what use am I in this person's life if they're not waiting on me to tell them that they're beautiful that they look not that they're doing that they they get this they get this on a daily now so it's not anything special when I say it oh I don't like you anymore because (laughs) now you've taken my power away from me yep uh, yeah, he says I act different now, and I don't, but like you said, I was just actually happy that somebody probably wanted to be in public with me and wanted to love on me or whatever it was, and now, I, like I said, I still act the same, but whatever it is, he don't like it. But you like to believe this, you do, 
but you probably don't. And you will find somebody that loves you for your more authentic self. And they will love you more and the love will be genuine and the love will be pure and it will last longer. And it won't matter if you gain all your weight back or if you lose a hundred more pounds, it will not matter. It will not compromise the confidence that you have the determination that you are that you are shooting for and the motivation and, and what you're aspiring to do, whether it's for your health, whether it's for your physical appearance, it's not gonna compromise that. And when a person tries to compromise that and try to change your goal set for their own pleasure, that's selfishness. And that's not energy that you wanna be around. That brings on, you're probably stressed off of the fact that you're trying to figure out why this person don't like you anymore. Yeah. And that's the stress that Keisha's talking about because stress is an underlying issue and you're dealing with that because you're trying to figure out what did I do wrong? You're sitting here saying to us, I haven't changed. The only change that you've made is for the positive and for the better. And if somebody who truly loves and care about you, if they're not commending you for that, that's a toxic situation that you don't need anyway. So that's something that's gonna be hard it's going to hurt six years is a long time but i promise you the end result of ending that relationship is going to be far more worth your time your energy and your effort than to try to hold on to it and make yourself sacrifice in the midst of trying to please someone else you shouldn't have to especially when you're going towards positive if you have somebody that's in your life that's like no don't do drugs they're worrying about your better good mm -hmm. but if you have someone that's like oh you're trying to get healthy the fuck i don't even like you no more like no, why? Right. That, ain't, that ain't the energy With that i need i mean if you verbalizing like that because that's exactly what it is <laughs> yep yeah ladies i have enjoyed our talk I have enjoyed the conversation. I hope that something that we've said changes how people think, changes how people do things. Remember that healing happens one conversation at a time. The next time that you have your elephant in the room, call up your friend and say, let's talk about it.